Welcome to Beyond the Sales Floor. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And what we're going to be doing is unveiling and unpacking sales playbooks from enterprise sales leaders. All right, buddy. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Sales Floor. Uh, this is where we talk to enterprise sales leaders about what they're doing with their teams and how they're getting in the trenches to help their teams with their strategies and their techniques. And today I have David Katz. We've known each other for 2017, I think. We're on a panel together at Sales Hacker back in San Francisco. So major throwback. Uh, train, yeah, I know. Train a couple of his teams. He's now at HubSpot. But if you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself, David, go ahead, and then we'll dive into the questions today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. And I think that's right. I think it was 2017, and I, I think we were having a spirited debate. I'm trying to remember the topic, but I feel like we weren't seeing eye to eye on it. We were, we were not. <laughs> I think the first time we met each other. I just remember that sentiment. <laughs> we were not no. eye to eye, and I don't, I, yeah, I don't remember why, but we were not eye to eye. <laughs> All, all good. Uh, regardless, we, yes, we, we, yeah, we've been in touch for a long time and uh, you're an incredible trainer and my teams have benefited from your expertise many times. So uh, nice to be here. Yeah. Uh, quick note on me. So I'm currently the vice president of sales at HubSpot. Uh, in particular, what I oversee is a specific segment of our sales team, which is our, we call it our corporate sales team. So this is a, a group that works with our largest and, and potentially largest uh, customers. So it's, I've been here for a little over three years um, and I've been you know, working diligently with the team to continue to help us move up market and you know, uh, you know, service larger, more complex customers with you know, more complex problems. Awesome. Well, let's dive into it because this, this first part is actually interesting on you know, how you think about it due to where you're at, HubSpot, whole entire thing. What's an experiment that you're running right now that you're excited about? Ooh, um, I every year try to run like several year long uh, pilots. Um, and so uh, there are a couple that we're running right now that are really interesting. W one would be hard to explain because it's like an internal experiment, but one that we're running that is more customer facing kind of go to market experiment is um, Traditionally, for all, for the majority of, of time, the HubSpot's been around and been um, selling to organizations. Um, our sales team has been pre and post sales. Our account executives, you know, responsible for you know driving, you know, and acquiring net new business, and making those customers super successful, and they stay with them to you know um, help them explore you know ways we can solve different problems them over time. So also responsible for you know cross sell and and upsell. Um, and it makes sense, you know, given, you know, our platform is is uh, growing uh, and there's many use cases we can solve for many different, you know, potential um, buyers and, and um, components of the go-to-market organization. Um, but we've been running an experiment where we actually have a couple of folks who are just selling uh, to our install base, to our customer base this yep. year. So we've, we've pulled them out of the funnel, so to speak, and they're just working uh, with our large, very complex customers. Um, and it's been going uh, swimmingly. You know, our, our product, our productivity has gone very well. Um, the opportunities that we've been able to uncover, the, and also just therefore the experience we've been able to provide to like our, our largest customers um, is something that they've they've wanted, and, and now we're kind of giving to them. So that's been going really well. We'll most likely expand um, the pilot um, uh, to at least some degree uh, next year. Nice. So with. You know, 
when should someone consider doing what you just said, right? Like, when should they be like, okay, now we need to go into existing account, accounts, expand. This is a sooner rather than later. Or there was a moment in time where you just knew that this was the right time to do this. You know, there's different ways to answer that. I hate saying it depends, but like, yeah. you know, I think I mean, it, it does depend though. It yeah. does. So, you know, I've, so I've done it. Um, I've done it several times at different organizations over the years. And I've actually like split the sales org and sometimes I've actually you know brought it back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think it depends on where you need focus. So like, I think what I try to spend a lot of time thinking about is like, where do I need subject matter expertise and real focus um, to drive, you know, um, more impactful results. And, you know, so I think uh, w- one area that folks will do it is when you have, if you have a component of your business that is a, a um, very short sales cycle, you know, high, high velocity and fairly linear, right, in terms of um, the process you would go through with potential um, buyers, it's well understood, you know, and it's um, you, maybe you're not having to do a more, you know, evangelical you know, educational sale, you know, you're an incumbent or you're very, you have like, you know, mm. strong sentiment, brand awareness and recognition, and people are coming to you, you know, with intent, awareness, you know, a potential use case that they're interested in learning more about. And, and you have like a high volume, great opportunity to think about actually having, you know, a, a component of your sales team just focus on net new business act, um, acquisition. Um, I've done that at other companies. Like it, it can work really, really well to have people focused there, um, you know. And as long as you really make sure you're focused on then what that handoff process looks like, make sure it's seamless for your, you know, new customers. Great opportunity to do it. Um, and a lot of folks will do that when you really need like velocity and repeatability. And it's a it's a simple motion. Um, I think. Uh, another example, when you might want to go, um, you know, I think what people refer to as hunter farmer, I don't think that's a fair thing to call folks that are doing, you know, expansion sales farmers. Um, look, it's different, yeah. it presents different, you know, opportunities and different challenges. Um, but it, I feel like there's like a negative connotation to that. So, um, but I think another place you would do it um, would be where you're really um, focusing on, you know, segmenting your, your sales team, um, you know, by industry, you know, by a specific vertical or set of verticals or by like product group, right? So you might have really distinct product groups. Salesforce does this in, in many ways um, to different degrees over the years. Other other companies do it obviously as well, where you're trying to drive that, that real hyper-focus. Um, that's where you would think about really doing it. It's where you you really are trying to limit it, limit the kind of like cognitive load uh, on your sales team of all the things they're responsible for knowing and have them focus in certain areas that feel like really repeatable to you. Um, and so like, that's, that's what we've been doing. And in, in, in this case, you know, really experimenting with um, having folks just on, on the customer side, they can go much deeper with their customers. Um, they can operate with a, you know, a higher degree of intention around what that looks like, how they you know, add value to them on an ongoing basis. Um, and, you know, because in this case, you know, these are large organizations that are, you know, matrixed, you know, um, you know, pretty sophisticated from an org structure. You know, there's lots of opportunities that we kind of uncover just the more we get to know a customer, more understand the problems that they're looking to solve. Um, and so, you know, we uncover a lot of opportunity that we wouldn't have otherwise just because of, you know, the, you know, again, cognitive load that our average right. would have. No, I think this is a, that's an excellent breakdown 
and for everyone moving forward, now they know exactly what to do. And this, then this, the next question I have is we've talked about this before on other calls and behind the scenes, but you're at HubSpot. So uh, could you give us a walkthrough of like, how does your outbound motion work? Do you have one? Is it ABM? Like what's going on there? We do have one. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I think, you know, more or less kind of invented the inbound sales motion. Right. Yeah. Our, our annual user conference is called inbound. Um, and so you might be a bit of a head scratcher, like, wait a minute, are you doing you know, outbound prospecting? And, and, you know, for us, like increasingly answer is yes. Um, now, I think what we have always focused on and where, we, you know, where we've had hesitation in the past is um, we want to make sure that our outreach is intentional, is personal, and is, is super relevant to the person we're reaching right. to. And it, it, the, the entire philosophy behind inbound for us was always like, you know, um, give value before you ask to get value in return. And right. so, you know, we we create lots of content to just help people. And like over time, you know, you do that, and you provide value to people, and you don't behind you know hide behind you know um, kind of gated restriction to that. You just give away great content that helps people when they have an opportunity. Like they're probably going to come and want to talk to you. Um, right. And so, like what we've just been really thoughtful and intentional about is. If we're going to go outbound, so to speak, it has to feel very inbound e, right? And in terms of the way we're going to do it, and so like we can't be out there just like you know mass blasting people with low value, no value messaging that you know isn't um, personal or specific to them. So we've had to be thoughtful around it, um, which is in everyone's best interest. Um, but yeah, like we're certainly doing it. Um, you know, I think as you reach a point, you know, from um, you know, a saturation perspective that, you know, the further you move up market, you know, unless it's an RFP, like they're not coming to you. You really need to go to them. You know, they right. have they have these deep, longstanding relationships with their vendors, um, you know, and uh, the incumbents have done a good job, you know, to have these longstanding relationships and contracts. And, and also, like, they just might not be aware of you. You know, they feel like they've got the right solution. So you do need to go to them at some point and can't expect that they're going to come inbound to you, you know, especially with large organizations. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it, right? We've always seen that. If you're going to go up market, they're not they're not coming to you. you got to have some type of outbound motion to that. It's good to hear that. They're, even That's why I asked, like, the conference is called inbound. So it's like, are you even doing outbound? But you are. And so the interesting part about this is that does that change the way that you qualify, right? Because you're, because it's inbound, because it's HubSpot, you obviously probably have qualification methods when it's inbound. Does that also carry over to outbound or is that completely different? It's a totally different sales motion, really. It, it's, yeah. it's um, you know, because there's certainly like less awareness, there's low or no intent. Um, you know, it's going to be a longer sales cycle. Um, there's going to be a lot more upfront um, kind of qualification and education needed. Um, you're going to, you know, need to interact with like a committee of folks, um, you know, over the course of the process. So everything about it is completely different. Um, all the more reason why you need to be super intentional. Like you can't waste time, you know, um, with the, the wrong folks. So you need to be really smart around, you know, really knowing the problems you solve really well. And, and be able to reach out to people with a lot of conviction that you have a, a strong product that can really solve problems for them and that you know the incumbents, you know the value they offer, you know where you differentiate. 
you can't really waste anyone's time because, you know, the inquiry is you. They're not inquiring. Um, so, yeah, it's a totally different um, sales process. And you got to be really thoughtful around like how and where you spend your time. And so we try to be as smart as we can with, you know, intent scores, propensity models, like really doing a lot of modeling to make sure, you know, that the, the folks we're reaching out to, we, we feel from what we can understand from our own perspective and with, you know, third-party data, um, you know, where we can use it, um, that we're reaching out to the right people for the right reasons. Yeah, I was, I was talking to someone earlier today. Uh, I was just on like a coaching call and they were like, I make the calls and I, I think I'm talking to the right, wrong, per- wrong people. How do I overcome that objection? And it's like, well, you actually, you might just be reaching out to the wrong people. Right? <laughs> There's, like, you, it doesn't really matter what objections you're getting. You might actually be before you even pick up the phone. These might be the wrong individuals. Here are steps you could take before you even get to that. So I love that you're using intent, different data signals. You're you're working with other teams to figure out who do we actually go after because that is literally half the battle in itself. So then that leads into like my next portion of this question is forecasting. How does it help you with forecasting in terms of your outbound motion? You have your inbound motion. I'm assuming you're probably still using intent data signals to figure out how can we make this forecasting better? What's the process look like? Yeah, um, you know, for, forecasting, I think, is increasingly more and more science than it is art. Like, I can remember the days, certainly, like, earlier on in my career where I had hair, like, you know, getting in a room and just kind of going deal by deal in a very yeah. kind of, like, old school, kind of just, like, you know, bottoms up um, manner. And it's not to say there still isn't an element of that now, but certainly less. So, you know, for us, you know, when, when we're... Um, we kind of actually manage it in different pipelines. And so when we're kind of managing kind of our inbound flow, our kind of like higher volume, uh, more transactional, more straightforward processes, that is much more a tops down financial model. You know, like we've been in business for a while. So like we've got a ton of historic data. We can see, you know, um, you know, based off of where we are in the year, who we're selling to, we, we can really look at regression models and see like, okay, what should the conversion be? You know, as, as things progress, um, you know, there uh, and then, you know, we use other you know, uh, tools as well in our arsenal that give us, you know, further kind of risk scores, intent scores. Um, so we can really in a smart, very model driven way forecast um, our business based off of just like total volume, you know, volume of pipeline and maturity of it. Um, but for outbound, especially when it's newer. You know, like you can't roll on the model. You don't have a ton of data points to speak to, right? And so it, it, it starts out being more of a bottoms up, you know, forecast review, reviewing those deals, um, not just to understand like likelihood of them, but also you make sure you're helping, you know, that deal team navigate the process and show them where there might be gaps or things that they don't yet understand that they should be aware of. So it's still very okay. much like a bottoms up way that we forecast it. I, I do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely science-based. Like there's a lot that just goes into that. Um, there's art to get to the deals to a certain place, but the forecasting in itself is science. So if we if we look at this actually holistically, you mentioned like gaps and things of that nature. When you see When you see that deals are at risk, how are you coaching and talking to your team to make sure that they can navigate through that and understand like, oh, this deal's at risk. What do we do? How, how do you make sure that they can push that deal through? And, and how are you coaching to that? Yeah, well, and, and one thing I'd be remiss if I don't share is like we're, you know, with the explosion that is Gen AI, 
we have a lot of cool stuff we're working on internally to help us um, in a very, you know, digital first, tech first way, actually highlight to reps and to deal teams where there are risks and things that they don't understand in a deal. So like things we're working on right now is, you know, given that, um, you know, we're transcribing all of our calls and, you know, and, and kind of, you know, uh, collecting all of our email information, um, you know, we actually are kind of training models to actually point out like digitally within our CRM, like where things are like unknown, what the intent um, looks to be, and we're surfacing risks. We're also uh, suggesting next steps, what content should be shared that will be you know, meaningful to them. Um, so like in many ways, we're using Gen AI, Gen AI to be like that deal coach. Um, still work in progress, early days of that, but very exciting, like the things that are currently available to us and like seem like they're going to be options yeah. for us in the future. Um, so we're working on that, but there still is certainly an element of just like human deal review that we, we do. Um, and so I think it's oftentimes where I think I spend my time, um, reviewing deals. It's just like, it's asking the right questions. You know, I think, um, the biggest mistake I often see people, um, make is they understand the symptoms, but they don't understand the root cause problems. Yeah. And they understand the association between problems that are that someone is is highlighting or conveying, like in the, the underlying reasons why, and then whether or not like that is really something worth solving, and actually who at that organization really cares about it. And even if it is solving, are there other things that are worth solving first in terms of prioritization? Um, and then I think there's also just like the human emotional political element. That I think I find my, myself spending a lot of uh, time with. You know, when you get into large organizations, it's not always necessarily best product wins. You know, you understand who who has relationships where, why. There's power dynamics. There's hierarchy. There's there's um, you know collective bargaining. There's like a lot of things that go into these these deals, and it doesn't happen too often. But there are certainly examples I've had here at HubSpot and other places where you know, we lose deals where we knew we were the best fit. And we, we put forward the you know, best effort in the evaluation and we still lost. So I think oftentimes we try to make sure our teams are doing that research, are doing that qualification to understand, wait a minute. So this the private equity firm that's recently, you know, acquired this company, um, you know, has deep ties to, uh, you know, a competitor of ours. Are we aware of that? Have we discussed that with them? Like, let's address the elephant. Yeah, um, you know, I yeah, think those are things you absolutely have to know. Completely. Sure. Completely. And this will like, as we wrap up here, like this will, this is kind of going on to the point you said is like the analysis, knowing what's going on in the deal. Like, are we coming prepared? There's sometimes you can come to a deal, do everything right. And, you know, get completely blindsided by something. Right. And now you at least know next time, what questions should we ask? So my last question to you is probably some things you already mentioned. We're going into 2024. If you're not already playing for 2024, I don't know, might might be a mistake, but we're going into 2024, getting ourselves prepared. What are some things that people should be looking at right now and saying, you know what, this is what I need to go do. This is how I should prepare myself. And here's how, how I should go about it. Three core focuses. Yeah, we're, we're on the, uh, the fiscal calendar. Um, so we've been preparing for next year since August. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you're ready. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the... The three core things you need to be aware of is like one is like what is is changing in the market, 
you know, you, you got to understand like what are the um, prevailing headwinds, tailwinds that are affecting, you know, the, um, the you know, areas of the market you do business or want to be doing business outside of you. You really need to understand those and understand and get a sense of to the degree we can, you know, what do we think, um, you know, those those folks are going to be uh, um, focused on and presented with next year. Um, you know, it's it's never a perfect crystal ball, but you need to spend time understanding where what do I think is going on in different markets, regions of the world, um, segments, et cetera. Uh, what's, and what are people really going to be facing with? Got to spend time there. Can't ju- it's just about you. Uh, it has to be about what's going on in the market. I think the second one is I wish people spent more time understanding their buyers, you know, and thinking about – you know, what does, what do these buyers really want? What are they faced with? I, I do a lot of research. I also sign up to and, and subscribe to a lot of different sources to really understand the sentiment of our buyers, not just, the, uh, you know, the companies want to do business, but the people at those companies we want to do business with, what are they faced right. with challenge with what's next year going to look like for them? Um, really need to be eyes wide open into the, the realities of, of what we can do. And then the third one is and it's really focusing on enablement, you know, for for like the shifting priorities I might see in the market, but also knowing what's new that we might be focused on next year. What products are we launching? Uh, what new use cases can we solve? You know, what are you know fundamental changes that are part of our own strategy you know, for the long term that are coming? You got to make sure your team's ready for those. Um, and so I actually treat our own like product launches like we have an enablement roadmap. So like I have for the yep. year a plan of like these are all the key moments for HubSpot, like and then all the different trainings we need to do. And it's got to be sequenced. It's got to be far enough in advance so we can actually give people time to you know retain the information, start practicing and putting into use. Um, Look, things pop up. Sometimes you need to move quickly, but where you can plan for it, you got to plan for the enablement. You can't just assume, oh, I have this new product. I will sell this much. It doesn't work. You know, it t- you know the, the training element is is key, and I, I think people need to spend a lot of time on that too. No, I, I think I just love the part that you're just preparing your team for success overall. Uh, you're not just like, hey, guys, best of luck. Like you're actively like how can i prepare them for success and get them in the right spot and i think all across the board right those core focuses can help everyone moving forward to go be successful so as we wrap up here hopefully y'all took notes uh from everything that was broken down here today uh by cats a great leader and as always has great information when when we talk so again hopefully y'all enjoyed it and we'll see y'all in the next one cheers right on